Hello, and welcome to another episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Yes, that's right. This is the only podcast that dares to be both on-topic and on-location. We are here with a group of IT luminaries that have joined us for a recording, and this episode's premise is that in order to be an effective analytics company, you must have some form of sensor. I would like to take a moment to introduce the panel that is going to be discussing this premise with me, starting with Mitch. I'm Mitch Dickey, uh, Senior Network Engineer for K-12 in Virginia, and uh, you can find me at BadgerFi, or Badger underscore Fi, uh, or my blog, Badger-Fi.com. I'm Brendan Martin. I'm uh, CDN Beacon on Twitter at netgain.mroute.ca. Uh, Sean Neal, uh, my blog is blog.svneal.com, or you can, on the Twitter at sv underscore neal. All right. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. So to get back to the premise, which is you must have a sensor to do analytics effectively, um, a lot of companies are starting to build analytics into their platforms because they see the amount of data that's being generated, whether it be network data, wireless data, storage data, as something that's very, very important, and it can drive the way that organizations make decisions about the way that they do things. But there seems to be a bit of a um, divide in the community, Some people believe that you can capture appropriate analytics without having any kind of sensor device, whether it be a software agent or a physical hardware sensor. And other people believe that the only way to gather quality information is with the use of a sensor. So do we need to have a sensor in order to capture quality analytics? Who wants to jump in and either support that premise or refute it? We talk so much right now about getting information from the client. Uh, you know, and maybe the, the term sensor is obviously debatable, but uh, I think a lot of the, the debate centers around whether or not we actually need end devices to tell us something about the way they're experiencing the thing or if we can interpolate that from the network. And, and, and I think, you know, certainly it, it's going to be more effective if we have consistent um, information uh, in a standard method coming from the end devices experiencing, you know, connections or, or not. So, yeah, if I can chime in on that, I think uh, part of it, too, is you know, also defining what is, what is a valid sensor, right? I think right. we've got, um, you have the hardware manufacturers that are, you know, the, the Cisco's and Aruba's that are, you know, creating something where their own devices, own access points are, quote-unquote, the sensor, right? And then you've got third parties, like we saw this week at Mobility Field Day, that um, have their own third-party sensor, right? And we see some partnerships, like with, uh, you know, with, with Cisco's doing with Apple, where they're trying to pull data from, from a device. So I think part of it is qualifying what it should be, and I think, you know, understanding where that device sits, whether it's on the ceiling or if it's down, you know, where the users are, I think is part, should be, you know, kind of part of that equation as well. Right. I think, you know, an AP is, is a valid wired client sensor, but as a wireless sensor, it's less effective than asking, you know, a device is actually associated to the wireless infrastructure. Is it, is it fair to say that it helps to have a like device or a similar device with a somewhat out-of-band type of um, connection to or it? backhaul? Right. It, certainly. I mean, you have a lot of experience with this. You use sensors quite frequently in, in your environment. Um, and uh, again, it goes to, uh, we have such a variation in access devices, in client types, we have, uh, and without, you know, actual, some sort of standardized reporting out of a sensor or a client device, what we have is people calling us saying, 
the Wi-Fi sucks. Well, what does that mean, right? Uh, the sensor gives us, from that client perspective, the, uh, you know, it tells us what that means. It says, you know, I, my DNS resolutions are, are failing and not... Wi-Fi sucks. See, if, if, if I had a NetBees agent or a CAPE sensor saying the Wi-Fi sucks alone, that would be about as effective right. as, you know, taking reports from users. So it sounds like that there are a lot of uses for sensors. And, and obviously with having a device that either mimics a client or can be installed on a client that's generating data, we can get a lot more information back. But the problem is, at least the way I see it, sensors are expensive. And I'm not just talking about I actually have to shell out money to buy hardware. I'm talking about they're expensive in terms of processing power as well. So as you mentioned, Cisco and Apple are trying to put together a partnership where Apple is going to be able to send Cisco's network more uh, analytics about the uh, states that the wireless client are seeing. Um, I have an iPhone. It's about two years old right now. It's it's right at the end of what Apple would deem a long refresh cycle. Um, The battery life is horrible. Right. Because applications keep getting greedier for processing power, and, and depending on who you are, you know, does it really go to sleep in the background? What if I had an always-on analytics telemetry device on my phone sending information back to the network? I mean, I can tell you right now, my battery life is going to drain faster than the gas gauge on a sports car. So can sensors... Be, can, can we create a sensor to give us good, rich analytics data that isn't going to destroy the life of a small processing power device? As far as the NetBees is concerned, though, I mean, a relatively inexpensive, I would, I mean, I don't pay that bill, right. so I don't know for sure, but, um, but I mean, here, here it is. You got to weigh it. I guess it depends on maybe what vertical you're in as to how much you really care about um, making sure that the network is available. Of course, we want the network available all the time, but in some places it might be a little bit more tolerant and maybe you don't need to spend that extra money. But if you need network uptime to be five nines, I mean, you're going to have to spend the money on a sensor, I think. I mean... Well, we're starting to see that with the vendors, uh, even right as Tom alluded to with the Apple stuff. You know, where they they put in features relatively recently to show us what's eating battery life, as an mm-hmm. example, and these metrics that we're now able to send to the to the you know Wi-Fi infrastructure to actually get info from the client. There's never going to be info as good at representing what the client experience is like than the metrics that come from that client. Agreed. So, you know, uh, the closer we can get to that, the better. You know, and, and a lot of, the, there should be a way for a, a simple, lightweight, you know, application, even in the background to, you know, maybe by MDM to run on an iPhone or an Android device um, to give us some of that visibility from the actual client devices that are used, you know, to, to get us as far away as possible from emulating that somehow, because there's always going to be some sort of delta there between what is true versus what's emulated. So I want to mention something that you just talked about, where the sensor is the best possible source of data. Because obviously, if you have something that's purpose-built and specifically designed to collect data, it's always going to give us back what it's designed to build. But could we get to a point where, let's just say we use machine learning as a construct to provide data from a system, but not from a set of sensors, that's 90% 90% as effective as a sensor that's effectively free because we can use other algorithms to do the machine learning process. We're cutting down on the amount of power that we're using. Could we just say, well, the 10% isn't worth it for me to pay 4X to have to outfit sensors in my environment, and I'll just deal with the, the um, missing data, as it were? So I'll, I'll start with that one. So I, I think... 
a lot of it's going to be, you know, what, how detailed do you need to get? So if we're talking about the, you know, the 85, 90% that, that hits the mass majority of the market, I, I do think that's possible, especially when you talk about the, uh, you know, the path where I can crowdsource that across an entire customer base, right? Um, I do think, you know, that there's the ability to learn a lot of that stuff. I, you're still sort of interpreting what you're seeing, right? Because you don't have a sensor that's that's out there, right? You're I get this data from the controller, and I'm trying to infer knowing some sort of, you know, networking knowledge, RF, you know, relationships, those kind of things. I'm trying to, you know, figure out something. Um, so it's sort of one step removed, in my opinion. But I think with enough testing and a large enough sample size that you probably can hit 85 90% of that. Yeah, certainly. I wonder if that's even the relevant question so much as whether or not it's possible. I think they're both possible. I think both are going to occur. I think we're going to see, you know, end device as a sensor um, and network as a sensor, which is obviously a term that we've heard before. Uh, and both of those are going to mature over the next, you know, five years. Um, and in the end, the market's probably going to favor one or another. And I think that's more the relevant question is, you know, just what, what are we going to end up with? I'm not sure. But they're both certainly very possible. Yeah, I, I, I agree. <laughs> really have anything more to add to that than he did. I mean, that's pretty much... Right. Well, you're right. If, if, the, if the market decides that we could build a sensor that is software capable and just as functional as everything else, then yeah, that's what's going to be purchased. But I think then what may happen is we may find ourselves getting back into a feedback loop where that 10% that we can't track through software suddenly becomes a big deal that needs to be tracked. I mean, some of the things that we're seeing now that we're using sensor devices for, as, as we found out in some presentations that we received recently, was um, around the idea of IoT devices that don't have a reporting mechanism. I mean, yeah, the analytics that I can get from my Nest thermostat are awesome if I'm willing to pay the money to put a Nest thermostat in, but can I take a dumb device, put a sensor next to it, and turn it into a smart device? You know, in a similar vein, I see this quite a lot in the industrial space. We've been working in IoT for a long time before it had a cool buzzword and I knew what to call it. And, and we work with these control systems all the time that you had proprietary protocols that used to run on proprietary buses that got shimmed onto Ethernet. Um, and what we find in those scenarios, you know, nothing was ever rewritten. Um, you know, Ethernet, uh, kind of like Wi-Fi, is terribly resilient, so, it, you know, it tends to kind of work. Um, and But the guys who really know these protocols don't know... IP, and so usually it's a guy like me who has to come in and say, and be able to identify that the problem is with the client, it's with the driver, it's with the application, and not so much with the network. So, I, you know, I think if we get to that point where we've kind of got that 90% in the bag, and we've got 10% that's remaining on the thorn inside, somebody is going to have to go and learn Ether IP or some of these IoT protocols, uh, you know, Modbus, whatever, BACnet um, on the more industrial sides, and figure out how to rewrite those protocols to work better on our, you know, resilient but maybe not always completely stable networks. So we might see new IoT protocols being developed or, you know, finally optimized rather than just shimming them on top of, of Ethernet or IP. It's a reasonable assumption to make. Um, but remember, IoT is not just thermostats and toasters. It's medical devices. It's right. machinery on a floor that costs millions of dollars to put together but maybe we've never needed analytics from that before. And, I mean, those are the kinds of things that you could deploy a sensor onto, either through software or hardware. Because um, one of my favorite stories from my days of building PCs is that there is a there used to be a $14 part that would blow to protect a 10-cent fuse. 
Right. And I really wish that I could detect when that happens or gets close to happening so that I didn't have to keep replacing an expensive part failing to protect a cheap part. And, you know, could that be a solution for environments that, you know, deploying a sensor onto a million-dollar piece of equipment to give me telemetry when it's about to break could save me money down the long run? Or is that one of those things where a 90% solution is good enough I see some of that in the industrial space as well. We engineers tend to be very resilient people who like to come up with interesting ideas, and um, even on with some of the IoT sensors we've got, I, I, I rather than using them to track, you know, what the latencies are, uh, reaching my DHCP server more often than not, my IoT sensors just alert me to a power outage. Um, so we are seeing guys fitting. Um, you know, voltage sensors on the sides of battery packs so that they can figure out, you know, before the battery runs out that it's going to run out, you know, and, and place some uh, strain on whatever device is connected. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's starting to happen now. And, and um, as it becomes something people do more often, will be a, you know, a commercially marketable device. So maybe question for the people, so people watching this or podcast or listening to it who are thinking, I need to build a sensor to do this. I need to build purpose-built hardware to do the thing. Or can they build that in software? Should they make that decision? I think it depends on the use case. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be, you know. <laughs> the, the great IT answer. It, it depends. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's just how much value is that effort going to generate? You know, how, how much is it going to be worth to you, you, know, to you? If you're protecting a million dollars of equipment, it's, right. you know, relatively cheap to do, then it probably makes a lot of sense if it's... You know, if you're spending a million dollars for a questionable piece of the your user base, maybe it's not worth it. Yeah, I think it. I think it really depends on vertical. I mean, um, I'm not trying to discount the field that I'm in, but I mean, in in Brennan's environment or something like that, where he's trying to monitor maybe um, the healthiness of the air or air quality um, mm-hmm. or something with some t- type of IoT device. Well, that. I would want a dedicated sensor for that because I want something purpose-built that is designed to do its that job and do that job well, and that is it, right? Whereas in my case, you know, I, I use a sensor, but as basically like a client. I just deploy the client. It acts like any other client that's in a room, and I collect data that way where it's not like... I mean, it's mission critical, but you understand, obviously, there's a difference between maybe, maybe lives air risk. quality... And just making sure somebody can access a website. I mean, it's true. Application is very important. You know, as we've said, you know, protecting million dollar equipment that can take an investment. Just figuring out why Johnny's Xbox can't get on the dorm network. Right. Maybe that doesn't need a, a sensor deployed to every dorm room right. to determine air quality from a wireless perspective. All right. So, you know, I think maybe just to sum it all up here, I'll ask. I'll restate the premise and. You can give me a direct answer, Sean. Do you need to do? Do you need to have a physical sensor in order to be able to do analytics properly? I'd say I'd say no. It's it's not required, um, but it's it's going to be come down to ultimately you know the quality of the data that you want out of it. So I think a qualified no. Yes, Brennan. I'm going to I'm going to focus on the point that you said it's explicitly a physical sensor, in which case the answer is unequivocally no. Fair enough. Mitch? I'm just basing it on what I know and what I what I do with the sensors that I do have, and I'm going to say yes. I mean, there's no better data that, 
that I can get for my purpose than to get something that's purpose-built to collect the data that I need. Thank you very much. And I think that actually brings up a good point, the fact that we have three IT luminaries here who disagree on whether or not you need to do analytics properly by having a sensor. And as we said, maybe it's a physical device, maybe it's a software device. Maybe there's uh, something coming down the horizon that has the capability of emulating the kind of thing that a sensor would do. Um, I think it comes back to the great IT answer of it depends. And I think you need to understand your use cases. I think you need to understand what data you're trying to collect before you ultimately make that decision. Because if you buy a whole bunch of sensors that you don't need, you're going to have a closet full of junk that you can't get rid of. So I want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Uh, if you want to head over to iTunes, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a review for this podcast, letting everybody know what you thought about it. That's the best way to grow our audience. And also be sure to share this with a couple of your friends because word of mouth is the best advertising there is. This podcast is brought to you by Gestalt IT, which is your home for all things enterprise and IT related. You can always find the most current episode of this podcast on our website at gestaltit.com, G-E-S-T-A-L-T-I-T.com slash podcast. And if you want to read more articles from the IT luminaries that you see around the table and from a lot of other great people in the industry, be sure to check out the website gestaltit.com. But for now, for me, Tom Hollingsworth, and from the panel of experts that I have sitting next to me, I want to bid you a fond adieu, and we will see you at the next episode.